Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Let's get into this thing, okay? We're going to start off in the book of Ezra. I'm going to be talking to you today about how to rebuild a broken down city. Anybody have any areas in your life that need to be rebuilt? How many of you are in a comeback right now? I mean, I feel like we're all kind of in that place. 2020 and 2021 have certainly been disruptive. There, There have been some amazing things that happened in 2021. But to me, I feel like we're, you know, we're like in a rebuilding moment in our households, uh, in our businesses, in our church, in our schools, and all of those things. And, uh, you know, maybe in your spiritual life too. I know for me, when I went into 2020, I decided I was going to say yes to everything. I felt like it was a dangerous place that we were all in. So I, if I had an opportunity to advance the kingdom, advance the church, advance Christ in the community, I was going to say yes. And if that meant I didn't have a whole lot of sleep, I just was, I'd catch up on sleep in 2021. Only problem, Tanya, is that uh, 2020 stretched on into 2021. I finally got a nap yesterday, so I feel fantastic. But I feel like for all of us, in some way or another, we feel like we're in a rebuilding phase. Some of us feel dry, spiritually dry. Like you've prayed and your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. You have needs in your life. You don't know how you're going to deal with them. There's a great word for us in the book of Ezra. Of course, we know um, Ezra is the good story of Israel coming out of captivity in, in Babylon. And we see the rebuilding of Jerusalem really takes place through three people, three key leaders. Um, Zerubbabel rebuilds the temple. I believe that's around Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. We know that Nehemiah rebuilds the walls of the city. That's in Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 2. But it was Ezra who reestablished the worship. And I think that's something I want us to really focus on today. As we look at rebuilding our life, and I I just say, everybody, please dig down into this really good today. Because it doesn't matter what situation you're in, if the walls are broken down and the city is not fortified, we can start out by rebuilding the city by reestablishing the worship. Pathway, I want to call you to be worshipers. To me, it feels like God's doing something special in our church. I feel the presence of the, God, uh, of the Lord in this house. I, th- I thank God for the warm hearts and the general posture of the church. There is a group of people within the church that is hungry for the moving of God in our house. You know what I'm talking about? It goes beyond singing and it goes beyond praying and it goes beyond reading to where it connects and you feel a tangible move of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Did you know, it was Ray Hughes that says, the anointing makes the difference. And let me just tell you right now, I'll work, I will work. I can work, I can work good. We got some good workers around the Pathway office. I can't work with lazy people. We got other people that can't work with lazy people and we will put in our time. But there is something amazing that happens when it's just not, it's not just hard work. 
It's an awesome thing when we show up and we're faithful and we ought to show up and be faithful. Listen, when the doors are open, Pathway Church, won't you show up? You know, when a need needs to be met, won't you stop praying about it and just meet the need, you know? But it's, there's some things we don't need to pray about, right? When it comes time to love people, even the unlovable people, even, even people you love when they are unlovable, we don't need to pray about that. We just need to work on that. But you know what's awesome? What's awesome is when the worship gets reestablished and God's presence sets up in the place. When his presence, come on, when his presence sets up in our car, in our church, in our home, and when we're talking to our family and our, our children, that, that's what I'm praying for, that God would rebuild this city, that God would rebuild this church, that God would rebuild our family. And you know what? Let's do everything we know to do. And Tanya, if nothing happens, let's show up. But I believe if we will show up, God will show up. How do you know? How do you know, pastor? How do you know? Because the Bible says, if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Well, I just don't feel the Lord in the house as if you're the one to come in and measure everyone else's righteousness. Well, I just didn't like the service day. It just didn't really do anything for me. Well, that's your problem. You know what? Let's do this. Let's show up. Let's bring our best worship and let's ask God to work. And you know what? The air condition doesn't have to be right. The, 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 the colors on the stage don't have to be right. You know, the weather outside doesn't have to be right. You may have to fight through everything that's come at you all week to gear. Nothing has to be right. The only thing that has to be right is you and the Lord getting in the place and the mindset to worship. So we rebuild this city. I thank God for the walls. And I thank God for the temple. But if we don't have two nickels to rub together, we can still worship. Amen. Somebody give the Lord praise today. Let, let me give you four things that you need for your spiritual comeback today or four things you need to rebuild a broken down city. And as I do this, just to give you a little historical uh, context, you know, we know about the Babylonian captivity, but you know, sometimes you see something and it makes a little more sense. <clears throat> um, Israel... Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, all basically contemporaries coming back in to rebuild the city in, in, in phases. Um, they were coming out of Babylonian captivity and the king who decreed that Israel could return, that the Jews could return out of captivity into Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. Not only did he decree that they could rebuild the temple, he funded the rebuilding of the temple. Um, a, as they went in, the king was King Cyrus. So uh, the movie, the 300, that was the king that told the Jews that they could go back and rebuild uh, the city. This is the, this is the moment they were at. Now here's four things you need to do for your spiritual comeback as you're coming back into the city to rebuild. The first thing you're gonna see in, in Ezra chapter two, verse 68, first thing you do is honor God. Say that with me. Honor God. What's the first thing you're going to do? I mean, what's the first thing you're going to do? We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to honor the Lord. Well, well pastor, I, I need to get my house in order first. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Pa well, pastor, you know, once I get married, then I'll start putting this stuff. No, you're doing it wrong. You, well, once I get a house, once I sow my wild oats, then no, you're doing it wrong. The first thing that you do is you bless the Lord. 
you honor the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that we should honor the Lord in our youth. Don't do stupid stuff when you're young because, well, it just, it just live, live how you want to just, just right now. You're going to get it out of your system. No, that's not how it works. You plant a bunch of wild oats, it's going to be grown in your field for the rest of your life. You're going to have to deal with a lot of things. Oh, it's just a one-night stand. Yeah, but it takes a prescription for the rest of your life to deal with what happened in that one-night stand. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all looking at me, but it's true. It's true. There's something. Listen, I thank God that he delivers us. Some of y'all need to be thankful for that because you've been delivered of a lot, right? And there's some people in here that have done some stupid things. Come on, if that's you, just go ahead and bless the Lord. It's okay. You know you've done some stupid things, right? So I'm thankful that the Lord delivers. But what do we want for our children? You know what we want for our children? We want them to avoid the heartache that comes from doing stupid things. They just go right into worship and honor the Lord. That's the hope. That's it. Well, you know what? Our, our, Our teens, they just don't love the Lord. They just don't, they're, they're, they're cold. They're, there's nothing going on. Well, you know what? Maybe we wouldn't have a bunch of teen sickles if we didn't have a bunch of popsicles, you know? If we want our kids not to be the frozen chosen, then we better come into the house and lift our hands up to the Lord and worship, right? We need to be in the word of God. We need to be going after God and setting the tempo. And set, You know, the speed of the leader is the speed of the team. If you want your kids to have revival, mom and dad needs to have a revival. So we got to honor the Lord. That's the first thing we do. Ezra chapter 2 and verse 68. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings toward the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site because they had been torn down. And each leader gave as much as he could. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins and 6,250 pounds of silver and 100 robes for the priests. Now you can do the math on this now according to the market right now. You see, it's a lot of money. Say, that's a lot of money. (laughs) What did they give? They gave what they could. They gave what each of them could. They were preparing for, for worship. So the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, just pause there just for a second. They started out by honoring the Lord by setting up worship. They didn't build their houses first. In fact, later, Israel is critiqued by the prophet of the Lord because they were dwelling in their paneled houses while the temple laid in ruins. The first thing they did was they honored the Lord I want to pause just for a second and tell you that I want you to do that. I want you to honor the Lord first, first. Something on your mind when you come into church? I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but would you please put it aside just for a little bit? Let's honor the Lord first. I I would even challenge you when you're waiting for the great miracles of your life that you'd so desperately need to even lay aside the asking just for a moment because if God never heals us, if God never delivers us, isn't he worthy of our praise? You know, I'm not asking you not to pray for big things. I'm just saying let's do first things first. 
and let's go to the Lord and honor him. You've done that. Pathway, you, you, you're a good church family. You know, we went into legacy people campaign. Um, hey, airport, just over here, um, just a minute ago, Pastor Freddie stood up and shared about the Foley campus interest meeting. It was our first interest meeting. The place was packed. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was awesome. You know, that, that stuff is happening because of your faithfulness and your generosity and your giving of the tithe and, and, and your offering. And then so many of you have given to Legacy People campaign. And I, I had a part in that as well. And I'd never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. So we gave, and, and I shared with you that it, what I gave to legacy people is the biggest gift, the biggest pledge I've ever given in my life to one thing. And it was a stretch of faith. And let me tell you, that when I gave that, I didn't, I didn't cut off my first things first. I didn't, I didn't cut off the tithe. I didn't, I didn't withhold the tithe so I could give to that thing. But I gave sacrificially because I believe in what we're doing and I believe that God has brought us here and I believe that God is up to something and I want to be a part of that. I want to set up the temple. I want to set up the house of the Lord. And like, I'm not trying to brag on me or anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, listen, to the best of my ability, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm, I'm not always going to get it right. You, surely by now you've seen some things in me that you don't like and you wish that they were different. We've, we've been together enough for that. But listen, I'm reaching out, and I want you to reach out with me. Here, here's what I did. We rolled into Legacy People Campaign, and right in that process with Pastor Appreciation Day, I gave away my Pastor Appreciation to Legacy People. And then, then we went into our, you know, I, I, I got a Christmas bonus. I, I took half of that, and I, and I gave. And we're, we're, we're giving. We're doing everything that we can. We're stretching. But let me tell you, in doing that, you know what I'm not going to do? is I'm not going to withhold my tithe. And I'm not going to... One time I asked my dad for some money. He gave me a $20 bill. And when I tried to take it, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let go of it. I had a little tug of war going on. He was making a point. He's like, son, I want to take care of you, but man, you, you need to handle your own business, <laughs> right? I don't want to be tight with the Lord. I want to give freely. Pathway Church. Please, I pray God blesses you. I pray he gives you better cars and better houses and promotions and better clothes and all of those things. I pray, I pray your kids get to you know, experience some wonderful things and you get a vacation every year. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? If you don't get any of that, please, please, you're making a decision between honoring the Lord or having something that uh, rust and moths will corrupt versus having something that's eternal? Won't you worship the God that created you and has built a place for you, a, a, a home for you? Can we honor him first? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody here today? Sometimes I get mad. I usually conceal things pretty good. But it bothers me. When we come into the house, listen, just deal with me just for a minute, okay? Would you, please? Say, Pastor, we're going to give you a little grace to talk right now. Just go ahead, somebody. Say, go ahead, Pastor, please. Right, okay. It bothers me when we're in the house of the Lord and we're doing other things that are not the house of the, of the Lord. You know, put down angry birds. 
Now, uh, you know, put, put down Candy Crush. If you're on your phone, you better be taking notes. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the word of the Lord. I'll never forget one day I saw, I saw somebody come up to communion. It, it wasn't at Pathway, but I, this would never happen at Pathway. But I saw somebody at communion come up and with one hand take communion and the other hand they were on Facebook. I thought, some, we've missed something here. We missed something here. Well, I'm just going to slide into church late and I'm going to slide out of church. I just want to check off the box. Listen, when we're in the house of the Lord, man, let's turn our eyes towards Jesus. There is nothing else worth being a part of than what we're being a part of right now. And it's a, it's, a, it's a struggle. Things capture heart. You know, you go out on a date with your wife and go out on a date with your husband and, and then you're, you're on your phone the whole time. I mean, like, let's give that undivided attention where we put the things down just for a second. What is it they say Starbucks is? Starbucks is the place where you go to put earbuds in your ear, to sit down with people, to, drink, and, uh, to sip coffee and ignore one another in community, you know? When we come into the house of the Lord, can we honor the Lord? Yes. Yes, it's, it's, I'm glad that the, chur- that the church, you can come to church casual, right? You know, back in the day where you wore a suit to church every time, you know, not, and I love it, I, I, I love it. But you know, not everybody can afford to wear a suit in the church. And I know people that wouldn't go to church because they didn't have money for church clothes. They have money for work clothes, but they have money for church clothes. I'm thankful that we don't have to be in a three-piece suit every Sunday, you know. But let me tell you this, there is nothing casual about church. This is a holy place and we have a holy God and we should worship him in spirit and truth. Pastor, I've just got to be on the third row when I worship. No, you got to be in his spirit and truth when you worship. You know, we got to, it's got to come from here. How can we sit down and worship when we have aught with our brother? How can we fight and argue and bicker and be at each other and then come in and worship? Listen, drop that stuff. Go make yourself right with the people in your life and then let's come and worship the Lord. In fact, whenever I get in this zone, when I'm preaching like this, I feel like I want to say, okay, that thing I told you about uh, only being on your phone to take notes. No, get on your phone. If you have somebody that you need to apologize to or repent to right now, go ahead and text them right now while we're in church. Let's honor the Lord. Amen. They honored the Lord first. Second thing they did was they, they, then they settled their home. Verse 70, so the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, okay, so he's talking about the pastors, the worship leader, the front line and the choir, and the cafe workers, and the gatekeepers, the hospitality team, these people and some of the common people settled in villages near Jerusalem. And the rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. So first they went in, they reestablished worship, then they set up their houses. The people that were responsible for taking care of the worship in the temple, they settled in Jerusalem near the temple. And then the people that weren't responsible for that, they were responsible for building the community and building the nation back, they went back to the town that they came from. 
they began to do the things that you need to do to set up a house. First place Kelly and I ever had was such a small place. We had a Brady Bunch couch, crushed green velvet couch with dark green piping. It was awesome. Actually, I wish I had it back. It's like, you know, they went out of style. That's when I had it. (laughs) They're back in style. I'd like to have it back now. Tiny little apartment. Actually, it wasn't an apartment. It was a place that had been carved up, a house that a bunch of college students lived in. That's where Kelly and I lived. Just setting up our house, just starting out. They didn't have a whole lot. They're going back into Jerusalem. Their houses had been broken down. Birds had been living in their houses, wild animals. People coming through. The place was in terrible shape. It was time to go back and settle their house. Pathway Church, handle your house. Build your house. Whatever it is you have, thank the Lord for it. Don't despise what you have. Don't, don't wish you had what somebody else had. Just start where you are. Use what you have and do what you can. And then what I found out is if you'll be faithful with what the Lord gives you, if you will improve what you have, if, you know, I don't like my neighborhood, well, make your neighborhood better. You know, love, my, my neighborhood's rough. Be kind to your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Watch out for one another. I bet you I've lived in worse neighborhoods than most everybody in this place. You know what? In every neighborhood, there's somebody that needs loving and there's somebody that knows how to love. And it ought to be us that shows up that loves and serves people. So they settled their home. Get your house right, Pathway Church. Take care of your husband. Take care of your wife. If you're living with somebody and you're not married, settle your house. Put a ring on it, baby. Put a ring on it, you know? Raise your kids. Love your kids. I tell people I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church by my parents. Settle your home. Care for your family. And build. And enjoy the process. Because it's not the things that you have that make you happy. It's the process and the people that you're with that turns out to be the great blessing in your life. Listen, just take it from me. I've been with a lot of people in their last moments. I've never heard one person ask for more things. They ask for more time with people. And they want to be right with the Lord. Third, unify with the worshipers. Say that with me. Unify with the worshipers. There's no time that's more important than right now that we unify with the worshipers. The whole world is divided. Let the church be unified. Do we have some differences? Absolutely. If there are two people in here, we'd have differences because there's no two people that always agree. And if there's two people that always agree, one of them is unnecessary. It would be terrible if you and your spouse agreed all the time. You'd be the most boring house in the world. But when we come into this house, Let's unify with the worshipers. I like how Augustine says it. He says in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. There are some things we cannot disagree on. Listen, God isn't just a lovey, squishy marshmallow where everything is good. God is love. God is love, yes. But God, because God loves, God also judges God is also jealous. 
God also will not always strive with man. He won't put up with our nonsense forever. Every now and then he says, don't make me, I'll come down there. He did it for Babel. He did it with Jesus. He's going to do it again one day when Jesus returns. There's some things we need to unify on. That Jesus was born of a virgin. That Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That Jesus performed miracles. That Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies uh, uh, that the Messiah would fill. He raised the dead. He did the miraculous. And for doing all of that, he was put on trial. He was beaten. He was crucified. He was killed and he was buried. But that same Jesus who was buried, he didn't just appear to be gone. He didn't just resurrect in spirit. But there was a literal, physical, bodily resurrection. 500 people saw him and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. There's another comforter that's coming, another advocate that's coming, the Holy Spirit. And, and then he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We're going to agree on that. We're going to agree that this is the inerrant, infallible word of God that's authoritative for our life. And if there are things that we're preaching here that you don't agree with and they come from this Bible, the problem is with you, not with this Bible. That's what we're going to agree on. But some of y'all, I don't even like to preach on the Iron Bowl Sunday because half the church is mad. And I don't even feel bad about the LSU fans. I I see you. I see you. (laughs) We got different teams. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Who? I just split the church right there. (laughs) Praying for y'all. Everybody knows it's Michael Jordan. Bron, Bron, <laughs> right? Who cares? Who cares? Roll Tide, War Eagle. Who cares? That'll really split the church right there. Those are non-essentials. We can disagree, but in whatever we do. Charity, love. Church is going to let you down. People are going to let you down. And I'm not talking just a little bit. It's not just going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be some stupid things that will happen in the church of Jesus Christ. You hear what I'm saying? I've got church hurt. I'm tired of hypocrisy in the church. As long as people live, there's going to be church hurt. As long as people live, there's going to be hypocrisy in the church. And please, if you ever find a church without a hypocrite, do not go there. You will ruin it for everybody. See, that's the thing. That's who we are. Which is why we need Jesus. And boy, doesn't he do a good thing, a good work of making things right. Here's what I know. If we unify on the essentials, we make room for people on the non-essentials. And in all we do, we love one another. Bible says love will cover a multitude of sin. And let me say, you better have some love flowing because you've got a bad day coming. And if you will just 
add up the love and the respect for one another that day when you have a bad day or a bad year, we'll pray to God that there's enough love that's been established in the house that you survive. They honored the Lord. They settled their home. And then they unified with the worshipers. Ezra chapter three, verse one. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, so after that, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. They were together. Say that with me. They were together. The book of Acts says they were all in one accord. Psalm 133, one says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in, in unity. Bible says it's like oil flowing down Aaron's beard like dew coming down Mount Hermon. And in verse six of one, Psalm 133, the Bible says, there I have commanded a blessing. You wanna see the church blessed? Bring the church together into unity. Unify with the worshipers. How do you guys get along? You all look different. You're young, you're old, you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white. How do you do that? Well, we have come together, not in our own differences, but we have come together in Jesus Christ. And the closer we get to Jesus Christ, the closer we get to people who are different than us. The reality is you are never going to see things the way I see things on a lot of things. And I will never see things like you see things. You, the same is for your, your husband or your wife. It's for everybody. There's only one person in the world that sees the world like you do. And that's you. Because nobody's had your experiences, your filter. The firstborn child see things a lot differently than the youngest child. They call that one the promised one, the, the chosen one, the, the favorite, right? The firstborn, we're the guinea pigs. They tried all the, we tired them out. My dad whooped me so much, he got tired by the time he got to Philip. He didn't have time for that mess. We don't see things the same. But boy, we sure can come together in unity with Jesus. Verse six, 15 days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. I love that. I love it. They unified together to worship even when the temple was not rebuilt. I just want to say something about Foley campus right now. We got some paint up in there. It, it's our lease space. You go into the auditorium and it isn't ready yet. We've got some framed walls up with no drywall. It's not ready yet. But I'll tell you what, it didn't hinder the worship that went up from that place on Sunday night. It was beautiful. I'll never forget when my, my father went through Hurricane Andrew as a pastor. It blew the house down. It, it blew the roof off the church. Drywall collapsed all over the place. There's a grand piano on the stage, drywall on that. Uh, the, the Korean service, the, there were probably about 50 people in the Korean service from my dad's church. They, they rode out the hurricane in that place. There's a little picture of a little boy named Daniel sitting on the front row church falling down all around him. And for a long time, 
the church worship with no roof. My dad started calling the church Skylight Cathedral. (laughs) I like that. He said they were the best days of his ministry. It's powerful and wonderful. We don't have to get the place just right for us to worship. You don't have to get your life just right before you can worship. You don't have to get your life just right so that you can tell other people about Jesus. You don't have to go to Bible college first. You don't have to go to seminary to talk about the Bible. Here's some people say you have to learn the uh, original Greek and Hebrew before you can really understand the Bible. Don't listen to that. You know what you need? You need an experience with Jesus Christ. Even if the walls in your life are broken down, your city is broken down, if you will honor God, if you will get started on settling your home and unify with the purpose of God, God can use us right where we are. So let me say to my friend today that walked in this place, it's an addict. And today, you've already made up your mind that today, if pastor gives me an opportunity, or if the pastor, you may not even know my name, if he gives me an opportunity to repent, I'm gonna repent today. Listen, at that moment, you are as, the moment you confess Jesus, you are as saved as any person in this house. And when God has gotten a hold of you, don't you wait one more second to tell somebody about it. Unify with his purpose. God will rebuild your city. Lastly, make fear bow to faith. Say that with me. Make fear bow to faith. Ezra chapter three and verse three. Now, when we read something like this in a sequential order, you do these things, I need you to understand it's never that cut and dry because there's environment, there's things going on. Verse three, even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me right now all over this place. Here's the word of the Lord for us today. You got some things in your life that are out of order. You got some things in your life that need some help. And you're going, where do I start? If I start, people are going to think, then I'm a hypocrite because I'll know what I've done or they're going to say, I knew you're not going to make it. You're going to do like you've always done. You're going to turn your heart back to Jesus. And then you're two weeks from now, you go out and you'll be different. You know what you have to do when you're rebuilding your home, when you're rebuilding your life, when you're, you're restarting your spiritual walk or you, you have something going on in your life that maybe a child that's far from Jesus right now and and you feel like somehow you failed and it's on display for everybody. Listen, let me tell you what to do. You step right in there among the enemy, right on that land that God has promised to you. You step right in there. Just roll right up in there amongst those jokers, right? Now, don't just pick a fight, you know, but don't be afraid. And you start rebuilding that altar right there and you begin to worship the Lord. 
I don't care what you've got going on in your life. In fact, if you got some drama going on in your life, even better, come into this house and with tears running down your face from the circumstance of life, you lift your hands and your heart up to Jesus and you bless him right there in the middle of the storm. God, you have promised me these kids and these kids are not serving you. But I bless you right now because I have raised them to know you and Father, they will follow you. You know what I'm saying? Just right there in the middle of all of that. And if we'll do that, God will rebuild that house. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.